Hello and welcome to ITU Playcast. I'm Dom Ford, a PhD student at the Centre for Computer Games Research here at the IT University of Copenhagen. And I'm joined by Pavel. Uh, Pavel, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Of course, Dom. I'm Pavel Grabarczyk. I work at the Centre of uh, um, Computer Education uh, and I'm an associate professor here at the ITU as well. Great. So we're back after quite a long break. Times are weird. Let's not get into it. Um, and we've got a very simple formula for you. So Pavel and I have chosen one academic paper and one game that we want to have a chat about. That's it. So the paper is Jesper Yule's recent game essay combo, The Game of Video Game Objects. And the game is Unpacking by Witchbeam. So we'll start with the paper. And by way of in- introduction, I think I'll just read the abstract so that it's Jesper Yule's own words. So... The title is uh, The Game of Video Game Objects, A Minimal Theory of When We See Pixels as Objects Rather Than Pictures. And the abstract. While looking to the future, we have overlooked what is right before us. With new technology, haptics rendering virtual reality, we have spent much energy discussing immersion, presence, thinking sometimes about current technology, but often about a hypothetical perfect experience or future perfect technology. In this, we have forgotten something rather fundamental. How do we, in the first place, decide to see a group of pixels on a screen as an object to which we have access, rather than as a picture of an object? This paper explores this question through a playable essay. At first, we may think that we will identify anything interactive as an object, but the playable essay demonstrates that this is much more complex and pragmatic, and that this identification has three steps. Identifying pixels as an object rather than a picture, reasoning about the object as a specific type of object, such as a ball, and identifying it as a real instance of a type of object, such as a calculator. Uh, I conclude, or yes, we all concludes, that we identify objects not with a general list of properties like being interactive or physical, but on implicit rules that we use depending on the type of object we are considering and on what we are trying to do at a given time. He identifies nine such tentative rules. Finally, there are many kinds of video game worlds, from the default 3D worlds of many game engines to social worlds. Examining the Unity 3D engine used to create the game, he argues that Game worlds are fundamentally not designed as bottom-up simulations of a world, but are deliberately implemented in human categories and that we understand them as such. Within that frame, our relation to video game objects is pragmatic and we will accept pixels as objects when it is helpful to our goals and plans. Not sure why I merged his first person with uh, the third person there. I think it worked um, quite well. It worked quite well. Otherwise, okay. you know, people might have thought that this is something that you are pointing out. Yeah, that's that's, just... that's what I was thinking. But in the in the process, I think we became a sort of Dom Jesper hybrid there. Nah, um, nah I think it's fine. I think it's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, what are your kind of opening thoughts on the? Yeah, well, on the uh, paper? Uh, I mean, one opening thought that I wanted to start with is that uh, so for for folks who didn't see it, which I'm assuming maybe most of most of our audience because this is such a it's a very recent paper uh is just that we are kind of cheating here because we are we were supposed to talk about one game and one paper we kind of technically talking about two games because <laughs> this yeah, paper yeah. as you said 
is a combo of a, of a paper and a game. And I think that this is the most striking thing from the beginning. I mm. think that content-wise, it's also very interesting. But like fo- form-wise, it is it is striking because it is a combination of an interact of a game, mm. kind of like I would say uh, a walking simulator of sorts uh, that you can play in a browser mm. and it's in 3D. And then an essay that sort of summarizes or rather, I don't know, puts more context into what the mm-hmm. game contains. Because the game also contains text. And I would I would argue that even if you, I mean, for, for, for all of you who do not have, you know, uh, much time, I would argue that even going through the interactive element alone mm-hmm. will give you roughly a very good approximation of the main claims that Diaspera wants to make in this. So I, I think it's very efficient in this regards. Mm-hmm. What do you thought? What, what were your thoughts about the form, like the the idea of a hybrid form? Yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, it was um, yeah, as you say, this in the game itself, which is kind of like a walking simulator, and then you kind of stop at signposts, which have a, a fair amount of text on them. Um, it very much is this essay game hybrid, where it's not super game like it is you stop you read the text and then basically instead of a figure or a table you just have an interactive example so on one signpost there will be like a i guess it's i guess we might call it a picture of a picture of a rock yeah um and then right next to it will be sort of a video game object rock which you can walk into and and a 3d rock right that you collide with and stuff like that and so this just lets you tangibly sort of through the through the avatar get at the point so he's like well why are these different ultimately these are both exactly both the the picture of the rock and the 3d model of the rock are both just pixels on our screen functionally 2d yeah um so in what way are they different and that's kind of the departure point for the for the essay i think so I, i really liked that in that in that it's just you read a bit and then it just really uh, sort of gets fixed in your brain when you can see, okay, yeah, here's the point he's making and I can interact with the object and it does exactly what he's kind of talking about here. I totally agree. I think yeah. I think I uh, I couldn't agree more. I f- I, and I see it as an extension of what f- uh, philosophical thought experiments do. So yeah. the idea mm. of thought experiments, at least, I mean, not all of them, but most mm. of them, the idea is that, okay, let's invoke some intuitions in the reader or some Mm. kind of feeling or i don't know let's uh, let's show the reader a paradox that will be so striking that the reader just they have to basically agree with us at least at this point of departure and Mm. i think this Mm. is this 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 uh this essay does it brilliantly Mm. because when you stand at this beginning when uh, that that you describe when you stand at the beginning uh, and you see uh, just this picture of a rock and this this 3D rock. Mm. And if I just, maybe if someone read this in a paper, they would be like, oh, what an what an example of an academic distinction. Like, yeah, why yeah, yeah. is this picture a picture and the 3D model a, ro- a virtual rock? But if you are just in the game and if you look at it, you are like, yeah, sure, I, that is true. I treat mm. this as a rock and treated this as a picture. What's going on with my intuitions? Why they are like that? Mm. Why they, I mean, so quickly set, fix uh, exactly uh, 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 on, on on these elements that, that Jesper uh, uh, says. So I think it works brilliantly as a thought experiment in, 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 in a game before. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it just it also just reminds me of so many kind of, like it's not just a kind of an academic abstract example. Like there's there's tons of things like this in the game. What what in in games like what, one that it really brought to mind was uh, have you played Ocarina of Time? Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's I think it's the Forest Temple boss there yeah. where you basically have set of portraits on the wall 
and you have to figure out which one is not a portrait, but <laughs> yeah, is actually yeah, the path where, where Ganondorf is coming down. Um, and so it just really brought me back to that, where it's like you're, you're kind of trying to identify which of these is a game object in, in Yul's terms here. It's funny that you invoked Zelda, because uh, to be honest, uh, for me, Zelda is a good example of a game that at least for me as a player does not do this um, approximation of a world good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that that Jesper talks about in this paper is not only when is a rock a rock uh, uh, in a game, mm-hmm. but when, when we treat it as a rock and not just a representation of a rock, but also what it means, what does it really mean for 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 a collection of objects to be treated as a world like why is this basically treated as a world and not just a, a series of pictures or something like that and for me at least and i know that i'm in a minority here but this is like from from the point of phenomenology which this paper is mm. is basically an example of a phenomenological um, analysis from the point of phenomenology the feeling you have when you play zelda games never gave me this feeling of a of a world that I enter into. Be- why? Because for me, they are too deliberate, too mm. well-constructed. They feel like puzzle games that, are, that, are, that um, pretend to be worlds. I feel that like everything in these games is set up precisely for me to be to find them to use them in a precisely is that also in breath of the wild no 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 breath of, no, breath okay, of that's, that's yeah, a, yeah, a, that's a good point breath, yeah. breath, uh, breath of okay. the wild is but, exactly yeah, well, yeah for me, feels like almost a reaction to this problem. Mm. Uh, but before Breath of the Wild, I would say this was my feeling like, ah, these actually are, 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 are logic games almost. So I think that, and I think that there's one comment in uh, in Jesper's paper that addresses exactly that when he says that not only objects have to have some specific properties for us to treat them mm. as objects, but it is good for them to have some extra properties that we treat as unimportant or unnecessary, some unnecessary detail, mm. some, you know, uh, uh, excessive detail. And we and the, and the moment they have it, the moment they have details that we feel, oh, well, why? I mean, this is, this plays no function in a game. I'm starting to feel, oh, this is, this is very much like a real world. This, this, yeah. is, it gives me a worldly feeling. Yeah. So if, if everything in, in the game world has a kind of maybe a specific and direct purpose that that takes away from the worldness of it yeah yeah it kind of reminds me of like uh, yeah like old school first person shooters where they get all get called corridor shooters because no yes. matter what skin you put on it you're walking down a corridor and, yes. and shooting at things um i mean it was before yeah. that i remember i played yeah. i played uh eye of the beholder and mm. the first eye of the beholder oh, yeah. is a classic dungeon crawler right so you have a dungeon and it's rather unsurprising that you find corridors there but <laughs> but then when i read uh, a preview or something like that of of uh, of the upcoming eye of the, Be- eye of the beholder 2 or maybe it was free mm. one of the sequels it was said like the for the first time it will be outside in a forest. <laughs> and my mind was blown. I couldn't imagine like how exactly this kind of game yeah. will look outside. Obviously, it was just a corridor with a different texture. The texture, I mean, instead mm. of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a stone texture, I had a wood-like texture and that was basically mm. the forest. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I find that curiously, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm easily fooled with outside worlds. So I really feel like uh, Old Legend of Zelda's are kind of a world. But what really gets me are always uh, cities. 
All right. Just as soon as you start to think about any game city, so I mean, particularly comes to mind is like the Citadel. But you in mean Mass sorry? Effect. You mean the, the the fact that the game contains cities or some specific no, no, no. aspects so, of the city? So the way, uh, like, I I really see that kind of, um, I guess, artificiality within right. city settings, just because it's like. Okay, this is the citadel. This is where ah, so many it. millions yes. of humans live, and yeah, I like traverse it in five minutes. I exactly. see about four people. I see the same people constantly. <laughs> Just so many of the things that are like completely alien to actually living in a city. Um, and how you know, especially something like the Citadel, right? Is is just a few very small right, right, nodes right. of places. Um, and yeah, I wonder if that's because. The, the kind of unnecessary objects that you need to make a city feel alive are like a lot of people doing a lot of different things, which is just like technologically extremely difficult to right. do, maybe. Um, but that's anyway. That's, that's a that's, good example. Yeah. I, I didn't think of that. I, I think I have the same feeling too mm, when mm. it comes to cities, especially that they are so functionally uh, transparent that you can see, yeah. oh, this is, of course, the shop. And then, then yeah. this is the shop. This is the, I don't know, the healer and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Or here are the buildings you can walk into and exactly, here, here yes. is the obviously fake door that you can't walk yes. into. Which, which, which gets us back yeah. to the paper. I mean, fake door that you can't open would be basically for in, in Jesper's paper, this would be a good example for Jesper's paper because it would mm-hmm. be about like, okay, you have an object that is represented somehow and it's much more on the surface is much more than a picture because you can let's say look at it from different angles so mm. for for starters it shows that it's not just a picture but the moment you can't open it you feel like oh this is not this is this is not a real door mm. inside the game and i think that the crux of the paper is that these weird moments mm. when we when while staying inside a video game a virtual world we call some things oh this is a real one and this is a fake yeah. one yeah and uh, and 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 this is this is in in my opinion the most important aspect of of this paper right yeah I mean, i'm not sure if i maybe misunderstood this bit but there was um I mean, I guess his description of uh, kind of when a door is a real door or a fake door is when it's u- is when you can use it for the purposes that you need it for. Yes. So if you're if you only need a door to build a base, then it doesn't matter if the door opens or not. All it matters is if you can pick yes. it up and grab it. But then, for me, that seems to link to the unnecessary uh, stuff of it. Where where for me, a door kind of by definition needs to be able to open no matter whether you need it to open or not otherwise it's what about broken doors in life i mean that's in in the description that's a broken door (laughs) yeah exactly it should be able to open so i mean i kind of um, and yeah i'm not sure if i was just kind of maybe slightly misreading it but that's kind of a bit where i took a bit of uh um a little bit of a disagreement, I suppose, where, where I, right. there, there seemed to be... Uh, but I also, I, under, I understand that he doesn't want to get into, you know, um, we could easily sit here and make a list of the crucial properties for yes. a table or for whatever, but we don't really want to get into that. Um, but I think there are, there are maybe you can talk about some definitional properties. I mean, it's not a door. Absolutely. If it but but I think what is, uh, what is new uh, in this approach, because otherwise you might see... You might say, oh, what Jesper is doing here is, in fact, uh, basically just uh, repeating classic philosophical mm. problems about the essence of certain objects, yeah, right? Okay. I mean, is it that? I don't think so. I think that this is actually, this paper is actually new in a sense. The, the claim that he's making is actually new in a sense that he very clearly points out that, yes, if 
if the object has certain properties that we think are necessary for a given type, mm -hmm. uh, then we classify this program, uh, this object as, a, as an object of this type. So let's say if it can be opened, yeah. its door and blah, blah, blah. But the, the, what, we, what we believe is necessary depends on a, on a certain set of actions that we have to do in a game. So it's mm. really, really is uh, relative to a given game. Uh, in a game where there is no crafting, the fact that we cannot, I don't know, uh, basically uh, manipulate the object in such a yeah. way that we create something new out of it, it's not really pr no. a problem. But in a game that where, where there is crafting and then you end up finding an object that you can't really manipulate in the way you expect, it starts to feel fake. So I think that this is this is the new thing, that there's, there's mm -hmm. this idea of, okay, maybe actions in games come first. Yeah. And, the, and what counts as objects and as a world comes as a natural, uh, I would say, outcome of what you assume your aim and your mm -hmm. sets of actions and your affordances in games is. That's, that's how I, I, I took it. No, that totally makes sense. And I think that's, that was the most striking point to me, the kind of arguing that we don't create game worlds as bottom, I think he calls it like bottom-up simulations. You don't start yes. by making a world and then implementing the rules. Yeah, what can and, I do there now? <laughs> And yeah, you make a rock and it can do this and that and it has these, these properties. And then, oh, and then I'll just put a game in that world. Like, you, no one makes a game like that, right? You yeah. you make the mechanics first. You make what you can do as a player in the in there. And then you construct your game world and then, I guess, whether intentionally or not, that's always then going to be first and foremost based on uh, what the player can do. And then after that, you'll probably have your, your sort of nice to have, maybe this has an extra function right. to enhance the, the worldness. But it, I think it's definitely that action first kind of approach. Yeah, I think it's almost like the, you can read this paper, even though I think that at, at the heart of it, it really reads like a, like a model example of philosophy of computer games paper, right? Mm. But at least to me, uh, but maybe I'm biased as a philosopher, but it really <laughs> felt like a philosophy paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, you can totally read this paper as a sort of a recipe uh, for, for making games that people will intuitively feel are, are worlds, are, 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 are full of objects mm. instead of just props. Uh, so, uh, and, and and the recipe would be okay. Take the actions, see mm. what the actions are. Try for every object that is in the in the, in the game to be coherent with the actions. So no striking situations where you normally open doors, but this one doesn't really. So so mm. so so tr if you if you have a set of actions, just try to be uh, to 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 uh, pay attention to that, and then sprinkle it a little bit mm. with additional properties that people will feel like, oh, this is not just uh, uh, just yeah. for functional use. There, there's some more of it. This 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 things you know, have reality of their own, not just me. It's not just for me. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it's a, it's a, it's a cool recipe for designers in a way to, that's to do true. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. Yeah. I think, I mean, it might be useful just to go and go, he has these three questions with the three answers, right. which basically yeah, yeah. constitute his theory of, of, or this minimal theory of, of when do we see a, mm -hmm. a pixels as an object rather than as a picture. So there's, Question one is, when do we experience pixels as an object rather than just as a picture? And the answer is, if the object signified by the pixels reacts to our actions or interacts with other objects in the game world, especially if relevant for what we are doing. 
Yeah, maybe we can stop yeah, here. Yeah, because, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I have one comment about this. I think mm. it's a very good observation. And at least, again, from the phenomenological point of view, I have I had had uh, exactly this experience in the past. I remember when I played uh, uh, different shooters in mm. the eighties, uh, late eighties, and I played Bosconian for the first time. It's a very old arcade game. What matters is that it was the first game, at least for me. Maybe there were games like that before. I don't, I'm not sure, but it was the first game for me that I played where the bullets of the enemies could kill other enemies. Uh, so yeah. there was like, and it felt mind blowing. It felt like real <laughs> yeah. world somehow because, because exactly mm. for the reason that uh, Jesper is pointing out uh, here, because because I felt that these objects react to each other, not just f- to me. Mm. There's there, there are some additional relations in the world between objects, and this is uh, this 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 what made them feel real. Yeah, and at least hints at this broader uh, absolutely worldness, even if yeah. it does only. I'm go not that saying far. that the no, 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 yeah, of course, uh, you yeah. know, zenith of realism. <laughs> <laughs> you literally indistinguishable. <laughs> yes. Um, so the second one is uh, when does an on-screen object signifying a ball, for example, feel like a ball? And the answer is when it can do the ball-like things relevant for what we are trying to do. And and I, I don't know, maybe you can explain this because it feels a little bit tautological to me where like the answer in, includes words in the question like, when does it feel like a ball when it does ball-like things? Is, yeah, that is, is this true. just like the, well, the question of those essential that properties? That is fine. That is fine in a sense, at least for me. It's yeah. not tautological because it doesn't really it what it what it what he tries to define here is not what what it is to be a ball yeah. but what is when when do you have a feeling of mm, a ball so yeah. you could say okay anything that does ball like things start to feel like a ball and i don't think it's a problem to say yeah. this from the definition so of perspective so as soon as a door like thing ex- yeah, can open exactly so feels it's like in a, a explain, uh, it's it's a definition of the f- of what it is what, what it is to feel Mm. Like you encounter the ball and not the ball, so uh, so I, still I think that this this move in this question I I I, uh, I was surprised with this question to be honest because the whole paper reads to me at least as a um, as an ontological um, it's an ontolo- it's a it's a fairly classic ontological argument mm. that is it is true made on the basis of some phenomenological analysis mm. before namely Jesper Yule was trying to probe his own intuition when he's playing games like why is he, his intuition uh, you know moving him into this direction and telling him this is an object and sometimes pulling him into another direction and saying this is just a just a collection of pixels mm. but at the same time so it's it was fairly onto a, a fairly standard ontological argument and all of a sudden we go into this feeling territory and which is like for me i'm not sure why exactly this is here this could be just as well said when is a ball perceived when is an object perceived mm. as a ball when it is when when it does ball like object so for me i mean yeah, this okay. this is I how see, i read I it see, yeah. but i'm guessing this is the the moment where he wants to tie it more with phenomenology which is fine it's just that yeah. i think that it could just as well be said uh in a more ontological yeah. terms uh like when is it perceived by people as as an object of this type? Oh, right. So, so it's essentially the the kind of even more simple thing of like when is it? When do we see it as a an object that is a ball and not simply? That's how I an see. Object, it. That's how I see. Right? It. Um, yeah. I mean, like even if it doesn't look like a ball, yeah. If it exactly. acts like a ball, I mean, then, th- th- uh, this is my interpretation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. The, that yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. 
So the, the final one is, when do we consider a video game object as a real object of its type? And the answer, uh, according to ESP Yule, is when it's a type of object that we don't define as physical in the first place, but all depending on what we're trying to use it for. And so this this brings in the the question of of, of real uh, yeah. and and virtual and fictional yeah. and stuff like that, which is really interesting. And I I have a, a different opinion here than, okay. than 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 yes, but I had the pleasure of of reading the, one of the previous versions of this uh, uh, this uh, articles and, and and having a conversation with the author. So I know that we disagree here. So it's just my opinion mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I think that uh, a more enlightening way of explaining this would be to clearly invoke the category of fake objects or just, you know, apparitions of objects, Mm. which is not in the paper. Uh, Because when we say that something is real, the questions, to me at least, the question is real as opposed to what? Real Mm. as opposed to virtual, real as opposed to possible, real as opposed to fictional. There are so many oppositions Mm. or maybe Mm -hmm. non-physical yeah and but there is in this particular case in this particular context of vi- video game objects such as rocks mm. uh, or i don't know doors whatever any object in a game i think that the question that that is relevant here is that when do we treat something as fake or as prop or as an apparition yeah and when do we think that it is genuinely an object of this type? Mm, mm. Okay, so the, and the and the example he uses there, which I think is a really good one, is yeah. of the calculator. Yes. So if I'm using a calculator to calculate things, then to me it doesn't matter whether I'm using a physical pocket calculator yeah. or one in his game example that is just floating in the game world, exactly. and you click the buttons and then it does the calculation. Both of those. Uh, are simply calculators. Yeah, for that purpose are real calculators. Um, And he brings in the comparison of like, well, okay, what if I want to stack my uh, pocket calculators up like dominoes and then knock them all over? Okay, then the digital one is not a calculator because it doesn't have those affordances. But then, you know, we're talking about the more specific kind of, I guess, subtype of physical pocket calculator. Yes. But even then, we are introducing another distinction between physical and non-physical or physical and virtual or that's where all the distinctions get muddy for me but it's a really good point for me it is much clearer when you just think of one particular distinction between genuine and fake and if you think that when do people say that it's fake when do people say that it's genuine yeah and uh, and at least for me, this makes this uh, this third question much more clear. Mm-hmm. So whenever there it is possible for any object to be described completely regardless of its physical properties, then it is super easy to make it virtual mm-hmm. because yeah. you just take all of the other properties that are not physical and you just recreate them in the virtual space. Once you do that, then people will be happy with this object, whether it's calculator or money or whatever else, or a red patch. No one, we, no one yeah. is like seeing a red patch on the screen and said, "Oh, I like this virtual red." No, it's it's red. Mm. There's no virtual red on screens and read reds on lipsticks. Yes, that's yeah. uh, because it's a single property, and with single property, we feel that it's fine. We can talk about virtual. We, we can talk about red on a screen, on on someone's lips, on on a rose, whatever. It's the same red. Mm. It's more complex when you talk about objects. But then, I think the question is, when do you treat something as an object? Well, one of the answers, as Jesper points out, is that if 
the physicality doesn't count. You can just make a, an abstract description of something. Mm. An abstract description of something is, is simply a, a first step of making it virtual. That's, that's my, my reading of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. One other kind of thing that um, uh, that I just noted down about this was he, he uses this example of so the game contains a ball that is on top of a pedestal and yeah. you can't get to it, you can't jump high enough. So he kind of I think makes the argument that that well, it's a, it's at the very least it's it's irrelevant for our, for our actions and so is potentially not an object. Or, or is that a different argue, argument? Because I mean, uh, I, I, yeah. I felt like he came, he approached it from the opposite way from me. And how I would approach that is, I would probably assume, maybe based on shared characteristics, like it looks like other objects in the game. Right. I would probably assume it's an object until proven otherwise. I'll say so too as well. But yeah. I mean, remember also, this is something that can happen, can totally happen to you in, in real life. It's not something mm. that, I mean, you can just, you know, we all know this. I forgot the, the, the correct name for it, but we all know this old props that they use in Western movies where they just had fronts of the of the houses. Mm, right? Yeah, yeah, Only yeah, fronts, yeah. like like a planks with fronts and nothing else mm. outside. I mean if you if you happen to go through a city like that right now and and you didn't look, you know, uh, at a certain angle, mm. you would be completely fooled. Yeah. So so I mean and are we really when we just move through 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 reality? Are we g- really just looking always always looking at the other side and see? Oh, is this a, is this is this a real object or maybe it's a prop? No, of course we don't do that. So yeah. there's this automatic assumption that objects that we see are. 3D objects of a certain type. Mm. If we go around them, we will see, we, we more or less know what we know, where we see, where we go around them, and so on and so forth. So I say that in this case, mm. unless the object just fails you completely and surprises you by showing, oh, it actually doesn't have most of the affordances that you expected, yeah. then this assumption is fine. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like there's a... Um, I don't know, maybe this is like an internet fake story, but I think it's real where like um, in World War Two there were inflatable tanks used. So I've never heard of it, but why so, not? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. So that at a distance, it looks like, exactly. it's like, oh shit, there's a ton of tanks coming our yeah. way. We better do something. You change plans or whatever. Um, and then they're just like inflatable. Um, so that would be like, yeah, you get up close to it and you realize, oh, this is not a tank. This is a. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is I mean what video games may add here is that when you play video games and when you know how they are made and so on, um, mm. in some cases, it's kind of you know that they are that they don't have certain properties, like simply because most of the games we play are not voxel based some of them are some yeah, of them are yeah. very successful but what i'm saying sure. uh, that the, 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 the typical way of doing games is that they are not doing using voxel technology but they're just using 3d models that are textured well technically speaking if you know that it is kind of a weird feeling that you know that everything you encounter in this game is actually completely empty inside yeah, and you som- yeah. sometimes you can even clip through right so yeah. uh, so in a way you are you are making this weird mental operation that you kind of forget about it um, that's that's true i mean also with like a like a skybox for example like yes. anyone who's got i guess any reasonable degree of of like games literacy let's call it will be aware that in the vast majority of games the sky is is not real like yes. you couldn't if you could fly in the game or whatever if you glitch out then you know it is not 
um, oh yeah, what terms to use for it? Like a real cloud. You know, it's yeah. just going to be. Is that fake? It's a prop. I would say it's, it's, a, a, it's a prop, a prop cloud. cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you think then that we and and maybe and maybe this is the contribution of the paper? Like, well, maybe when we approach this kind of uh, reasoning in games as we do in life, yeah. do we do it in a fundamentally different way in games because we know that the whole world is artificial, is all created, or, or however you want to put it? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually tried to do this kind of phenomenological analysis mm. of my own experience, and I, I think that I, in this respect, I, I I lie to myself a little bit. Yeah, that but it. It kind of works on me from the other side, so to speak, or, or has the other uh, uh, the, uh, games which are built in a different way work on me more. So when I know that the game is voxel-based, it feels kind of mm. more intriguing. The world is more rich because I really know that I can, yeah. God damn, I really can dig here. This is something that, yeah. that it's not it's not just a scripted thing. I really am digging in the world, which feels you know, thrilling, at least first, at first. My point is that I think that uh, um, a lot of the, the success of, of many independent games right now, based on the fact that they realize, that the developers realize that there are many different types of realism that may, you know, affect people. That mm -hmm. when people know that, oh, this world really is almost like basically infinite. Yeah. Or this is, this is, this is, almost like a real rock you can really dig and dig and dig yeah or uh, like you know in dwarf fortress or something like that mm -hmm. the 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 relations between objects are so complex that it's yeah. that i as a player feel almost like the opposite of zelda i feel like <laughs> yeah. the insignificant thing yeah. in this huge world of interrelations this is this, these are different types of realism that mm. games forgot about for a quite uh, at a quite longer uh, uh, you know uh, mm, period of time mm. where people thought only that realism was only photorealism and I think that in this sense I would say independent games kind of intuitively explore what Jesper Yule is telling here if you add relations if yep. you add uh, affordances sometimes feel, things feel super real even if they mm. look simple and indeed, and of course like what what happens if you do at least intentionally take a more bottom-up approach, yes. like a like a exactly. like a Minecraft or something, exactly. where it's like I am going to create the world and its relations first, uh, very and good then point. put a yeah, game into it? Does that change right. that kind of? Yeah. It also I keep coming back to something that I've not actually properly looked into, so this is just throwing yeah. it out there, um, but that I've been really meaning to is uh, uh, Richard Gehrig's kind of uh, I think I think it's uh, mostly him. This idea that we in fiction, at least, and he talks about literature, so maybe it doesn't apply to games, but we don't suspend disbelief. That's not a thing. Right. The It actually goes the other way where you first, where you begin with belief. You begin by believing the fictional world as real. Right. And then uh, I, th I think the kind of term he uses is you have to put in, I can't remember exactly, but you basically have to put in special effort that's a to very uh, make yourself disbelieve it. So it's it's yeah. really good. I think. I mean, at least for mm. me personally, this would be a good description for yeah. of of the phenomenology of, of of this experience. Yes. Yeah. I I start my believing, and I I actually 
do not want to be disproved. And whenever this happens, exactly. I'm act- yeah. a bit surprised and that's why you know, it's jarring unhappy. when yes. when you should be able to interact. That's a very interesting point. For example, yeah. I think yeah, like I said, I need very, to, I need to look more into it. Anti-Walton-like, but, yeah. but, and I think that, but at least I think that at least from my again from my uh, the point of view of my experience, it's totally correct. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think it sounds. Um, and it's, I don't know. I don't know where the relations are with this paper exactly, but it, it feels kind of uh, yeah. kind of along the same lines. Yeah. So maybe we should move on. I think so. Maybe we should move on. So that's uh, Yes Be Yules, the game of video game yeah. objects, and that's about uh, check it out. It's a very interesting yeah. experience. Yeah, to at, at least play the playable thing, which you can just play in your browser. Yeah. So just Google that, yeah. um, and that will come up. It'll be in the show notes as well. And potentially relatedly, as a nice segue, let's uh, let's see. We're going to look at um, a game uh, called Unpacking. This was released uh, very recently at the uh, 2nd of November 2021 yeah. uh, by a developer called Witchbeam, uh, published by Humble Games. Um, and the, the kind of two-line description is uh, Unpacking is a zen puzzle game about the familiar experience of pulling possessions out of boxes and fitting them into a new home. Part block fitting puzzle, part home decoration, you are invited to create a satisfying living space while learning clues about the life you're unpacking and this is this for me was one of the game like one of absolutely one of those games where you just you play it for five seconds and you're immediately like how did no one come up with this before yeah, i, <laughs> I wish i had come I up with this because it's absolutely. so simple yeah. and it's such um such a it's pleasure really, to play right? such a pleasure to play and it's really one of those experiences that like i mean i guess the reason you you don't really make a game about it is because it's kind of typically seen as like a chore like a not particularly yeah but then again there's so many games about chores i mean come that's on very mining. True. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> that's very true that's very true um but yeah it's 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 um i found it really really enjoyable but also kind of really powerful because it is it does get into one of these really um what can be very kind of emotional either positively or negatively or both experiences throughout your life um maybe i don't have the stats to back it up but maybe increasingly so now than than sort of uh, half a century ago or something like that where you are kind of being required to move very regularly you keep having to pack up your stuff and unpack it I know that you know I've developed these kind of habits of that you keep the box everything came in because then it's easier to pack it away yeah. when you have to move in a year um or like you keep a, a huge stack of moving boxes that you'll never need like up in the attic and more than you'll ever need um and so it really gets to the kind of for me it really got to that that really kind of emotional experience and so you kind of go through the game through the various stages of this person's life uh, and you never this is also what's intriguing about it um maybe with video game objects as well how there are no characters in it essentially yes. or depicted in it there are definitely yes, yes, characters yes, yes. um you basically glean this person's life from what they unpack um then you move places and then oh i remember that from the kids room that i unpacked yeah. and i still oh, i still keep hold of that teddy bear or yeah, something exactly. or teddy like, bear is there or like oh here's a picture from uh vacation or exactly yeah. exactly or previous uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so you really kind of get this uh i mean i guess you get this kind of story uh over this person's life um so yeah what did you what did you think about I, I was i was absolutely delighted by it and i have to say it's, it's actually a super funny moment for me to play this game because i mm. i'm not making this up i was playing this game <laughs> while unpacking in my real life so it was one of these cases yeah, yeah. oh uh, I, I had to say to my wife oh sorry i can't unpack this because i have to play <laughs> unpacking for the because i'm not joking so yeah, like, yeah. so so, so 
this is this this feels weird but at the same time very very i would say very unique experience for many reasons uh i don't know what to start with uh, my, maybe mm. i will start with something that that is very uh, uh i would say shallow but at least mm. for me very important that is the look of this game mm. i i love the look of this game it's mm -hmm. basically uh um it's it's a beautiful intricate pixel art yeah. uh, i know that you know we live uh, at uh, at the moment where where there are so many games so many pixel yeah. art games but pixel art is just a type of style it's a technology and good pixel art is something that is not as common as you might think no, no. i mean my my you know my uh um, basically, my method of establishing if something is uh, good pixel art or not would be just because I, I, you know, I played games during 16-bit era, and I'm yeah. thinking always like, would this be considered good graphics on the Amiga or yeah. or on yeah, the SNES? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this case, this is mind-blowingly beautiful. In mm. in fact, it's kind of like an HD pixel graphics, mm, and yeah. I think that. Because the, the, the reason I'm pointing this out is not only just for the aesthetic pleasure of it. I think it's 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 absolutely the, one of the top games when it comes to pixel graphics. But I think that this game has to the, the, the whoever did the graphics. I would have to check the credits. But uh, uh, whoever did the graphics, they they basically gambled a lot because they made a game with pixel graphics with sometimes very small objects on screen, right? And they had to believe that the re that the player will be very good at recognizing the objects because mm. the game forces you to 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 place the objects in right places it's not just uh, uh, uh we didn't talk about this but it's not a That's game true, yeah. where you can put anything anywhere mm. at the end of every level so to speak of every mm. scene at every apartment mm. the game judges you yeah. and shows you that some of the objects are misplaced yeah. for various reasons we can get yeah, into yeah, that later yeah. but my point is that it's not just a, a, a clicker right yeah a and because of that you actually have to recognize the objects and to That's, recognize yeah. such a small pixel art i mean they, they it, it's a, it's such a such a um high resolution pixel graphics yeah. that it's still recognizable pixel pixel graphics but it's such a high resolution that there are this minuscule for example there is this minuscule uh, uh dvd or blu-ray boxes mm. that you put yeah, on on the yeah, shelves yeah, yeah. and at some point i was just able to recognize that oh this is jaws yeah, yeah, this yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. wow, this is amazing. Well, I think there's like also that. like uh, Wind Waker. Yes, is, is one of the absolutely. You can there's Game you can Cube. See that. It, yeah. So this is this is absolutely a, a fantastic yeah. job in that that it really it really uh, believes in itself and really mm. thinks yes, our pixel graphics is so good that we can safely simply ask the player to sort these objects yeah. without giving them any help. Yeah, that's true. There were, for me, a few cases where it was a bit hard to figure them out, but then you can also get helped by, that's the other thing that I think is brilliant in this game, the sound design. Absolutely. There, there are, yes. I, I think I saw a tweet or something saying there's like 20 or 30,000 web files in the game because, yes. so you pick up an object and you place it on the table. And basically, there's a different sound file yes. that plays based on where exactly on the table you it put is. it and what it is. And that's not like some kind of, uh, I guess, physics-based system. That's just like separate yeah. sound files, I think. Uh, maybe I've got that wrong. But yeah, so the sound also helped. You're like, oh, I don't know what this is, but oh, it sounds metallic. And you can kind of work it out from there. I, there there's also, I've seen like a, a generational thing. So I know that... Um, 
a lot of younger players had no idea what the GameCube was, which, which for <laughs> us is super recognizable. But, yeah, but for they, a lot of people, like, what the hell is but this? But I'm guessing they, they <laughs> do recognize that as a console, right? Which no, is some, some oh, didn't. I oh, that's think, interesting. That is interesting. I, I think I saw someone say, like, wondering where in the kitchen this thing goes or, like just not at all recognizing it uh, i mean no, there's also a, a gender bias i was actually yep. i i i fallen i fallen prey to this myself mm. when the, the because uh the the character that you are unpacking yep. for or with or by is uh is a is a woman yep. and uh and and i as a man i somehow assumed it was a man i don't know why <laughs> and when i and when i the first time i saw a bra yeah uh, and I looked at this bra and I thought, oh, are this, uh, I don't know, are this some kind of shoes for for <laughs> for uh, uh, for the bathroom or whatever? Yeah, I yeah. just like, I seriously put them on them because I thought <laughs> I didn't recognize it as a bra, which now I find really, really telling how, how biased you are. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, this, so I'm actually happy that I made this mistake because mm. it's shown me my biases. That was fun. But I mean, I guess to an interesting bit about how like, how in... In real life, how uncomfortable, at least maybe maybe this is just me, but how uncomfortable it would be to unpack for someone else. Absolutely. And yet this game, I guess, maybe in the maybe at the beginning, it makes you kind of, you're a little bit un, unsure, a bit uncomfortable, yes. but then you, you very quickly kind of get very comfortable with this person's life. Maybe yeah. you could describe it as like you begin kind of inhabiting their character. So it's you deciding where things go. You start whatever. to say yeah. that basically you feel that, oh yeah, I know these objects. I mean, I remember there was one cup that all of a sudden be, after one of the moves became a, a bit chipped. So mm, I feel like, oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can see the passage of time, but yeah. uh, but then <laughs> yeah. still it's cool that you keep it. And it's also fascinating what this person keeps through her life. Like mm. what are the important things that that yes. she keeps, right? And sometimes what are the important things she goes back to? There's mm. a certain moment and then for, for the players in this podcast, I guess we will be spoiling things, right? Don't worry. Let's yeah. not worry so about shut it. Shut your ears right now. Yes, you, exactly. You, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. So the so a very interesting uh, moment in a game for me was when the main character moved in with a boyfriend. Mm. Then she moved out to her, uh, basically her uh, childhood, childhood, bedroom, yeah, yeah. childhood bedroom. And what was fascinating for me was that the moment it happened, uh, for example, there was there was a, a, a photo that, again, because this pixel graphics is so, yes. so fine, I could see, I could imagine, uh, sorry, uh, uh, um, recognize this photo as a photo of them, mm. of, her, of her and, and, uh, and her and her boyfriend. Uh, even though I, I didn't see any of them, I mm. just assumed, mm. oh, this is probably it. I tried to put it on a cork, the cork board yeah, where you, cork board, where you yeah, all pin things yeah. up right yeah and it fit but then the game told me that this yes. is not the right place yeah because she wanted this in a drawer or in a cupboard because it was probably too hurtful what, for did her you to... put it straight in the drawer of the cupboard yes i tried to put it in the bin <laughs> uh, it did work no it didn't work it didn't ah, okay work, but, that's but, interesting i put it in the cupboard uh, yeah. because I, I it was very very clear to me that okay she kept this photo she could have thrown it away yeah, she kept it that's yeah so yeah, yeah. but she doesn't really want it very in a, in a very visible place so let's put it in a drawer and this is what the game wanted so th yeah. this this very subtle messages that create yeah. the narrative are absolutely fascinating. Exactly, and how much 
just how much character is revealed just by the placement or not placement of objects. Yes. In the previous one, and again, again, kind of this is a big spoiler. This is this was the one of the most powerful moments for me. Is like when so she moves in with this boyfriend. Um, and I mean, at the, at the beginning of the level, you're not quite sure. It's a very different style to her previous apartments, but yeah. whatever. There's not very much space for her stuff. Yes. And then um, the final thing was uh, she has a diploma from from university or something like that. And there is no space exactly. to put it at Absolutely. all except under the bed. And Absolutely. that one moment is just like, just in that simple placement of the object, you know this is a bad relationship. I had the same experience. It's, a fantastic yeah. moment, I agree. Yeah. And, 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 and the fact that after she moves out, first to her, as, I, as we said, to her childhood bedroom, then to a new apartment, which is actually quite mm. spacious. It's just like yeah. a shocking moment where like, yeah. all of a sudden, so much space. But what is fascinating is that all of a sudden, she, the objects she takes with her are are quite different and not mm. different uh, in a in a, in a sense that oh these are just objects new objects that she collected as she mm. went through life but after this experience of you know uh, of uh, of uh, breaking up mm. and going to a new apartment all of a sudden she wanted to take for example more plush toys yes from her original so it feels that she's become more nostalgic that's my opinion more yeah. More, yeah. more 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 i don't know there's her sensibility changed yeah uh, one more object uh, uh, that that also piqued my interest is that all of a sudden she has a huge menorah in her and so she it shows that he she she's jewish and maybe became religious mm. i that's part i'm not 100 percent sure i would have to double check if you could put the menorah on just simply on a shelf as a mm. as an aesthetic mm. object i think i want to say that the game uh pointed out to me that it can't be placed like that Possibly, which shows that yeah. it's not only an aesthetic object yes. it's probably an object of cult which shows that maybe she has become religious so this fascinating That's journey true, yeah. of, of thinking you know, of like what do these changes mean about uh, what, what do they tell you about the changes in personality of objects? Yeah. That, was, that was absolutely yeah. fascinating in this game for me. Uh, I guess that, that kind of is a bit where it goes back to uh, TSPU's paper where, where um, most almost all of the objects can go in multiple places within a range, and so you don't know which objects have a very particular place and a very particular purpose and which can kind of just go anywhere. So there were some where I really felt like I decided from my own preferences and biases yes. where it goes so i think like the microwave i i very rarely kind of use a microwave so i always put that on top of the fridge don't care just <laughs> put cool, that cool. just get that away and the game lets me do that whereas yes. for other people that might be kind of um on the on the counter yeah. and ready to use and you can you can really kind of sculpt that and that is definitely one thing that made me feel like um these objects were I, yeah i guess more real or less puzzle it was less puzzly so it, that's where it really starts to straddle that line between uh, Zen, as it describes it, or like sandbox, and where it is a puzzle game. Yeah, but I think for me that the balance was perfect. It's yeah. just that I always was putting things more or less where I thought they were like go naturally. I will go yeah. back to this word naturally in a second. Yeah, yeah. I have a small problem <laughs> with that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but I was doing that, yeah. and after after you finish it, the game judges you, so to speak, showing yeah. you with with red outlines mm. which objects are misplaced. Or basically placed in a way that is not 
as the owner wants. That this was what exactly yes. it means to be yeah, displaced yeah, yeah, in yeah. this game. And and I was just like, it was typically just three or four objects that I misplaced, some sometimes even less. So it was just a little bit of thinking at the big at the end of like, oh, okay, this 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 is what it wants. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. What the game wants from me. So it was fascinating. Uh, uh, what I wanted to point out, uh, if we may go to this, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm really curious about your opinion on that, is that one thing that this game also adds, <laughs> let me see is how uniformed we are. <laughs> like, oh, man, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm Polish living in Denmark. The game was made by Australians and mm. and and all of our all our homes look the same probably because i'm just putting the things as i as i did in my life and everything fits and everything is fine and it's not as we said not 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 just because the game lets you do whatever you want no yeah. it's just the game assumes that things have natural place and that you know mm. what their natural place is but if i was from a completely different culture would this game be easy for me or not i'm not sure yeah i think there's definitely an element of that and i mean it's <clears throat> um Oh, what was I going to say? There was uh, um, a point. A point I was going to make uh, on that. Uh, it was. Yeah. It, 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 it was about how uh, how much I, I laughed because I do exactly the same thing with actually um, the order that you unpack things in, right. which which led me to that as well. How it's not um, it's not super well organized in the boxes. It's not true, like true. here's a box with just books. Yes. Here's a box with just toiletries or something. They're they're mixed up a lot, and it's like to me that really reflected. Okay, so one, there's practical things, right? Of like books are really heavy if you yeah, have a exactly. full box of them. <laughs> but also, there's just um, sometimes it's a bit of a bit of laziness. I'll just yes. throw stuff in. Sometimes it's also like, okay, here's some delicate things in this. So then I'll put a towel or two in there to keep them safe. And then and it just re- just by the order that you pull things out in, it really again got to me about how like. Um, that's not some kind of very idiosyncratic uh, thing that I yeah. that I do and no one else does. This is this is like a, the natural way to pack yeah. boxes, if you like. Yeah, but 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 also to add to this, I uh, I think that the game uses this in a in a in a superb way when it teaches you that there are more rooms than one at the beginning. Mm, so the first yeah. level has only one room, mm. your bedroom. You you move you unpack things mm. and in the second level all of a sudden you get an object that you can't really do anything with because it's all of a sudden a kitchen related object yeah. in a bedroom or whatever, something like that. Yeah. Or in a living room. Basically an object that does not belong here. Mm. So you naturally seek, oh well, what's going on? Oh, there is also a yeah. kitchen. Yes. So now I have two and it's a it's a very clever way of doing it, but also yeah. very natural one. But but still Whenever I say natural here, I just wanted to point out that it's like it's a game about how you uh, uniformed Westerners lives mm. are. It is. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I don't I have no idea if the, if the developers had this in mind, but yeah, yeah. in a way they created a little bit something that is a bit of a criticism of us. Yeah, like we yeah, are basically yeah, yeah. like exactly the same yeah. we are living in, with exactly the same sets of <laughs> objects in the same sets of arrangements just like almost like one big ikea catalog for, yeah. for the whole even, world even with the progression right so you have the 
the computer and the monitor get upgraded. Yes. But then you hold on to the retro consoles. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, Even time-wise, yes. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. of course, you had, of course, you had GameCube and then Wii, and <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> and then a PlayStation. I think, and it's just a PlayStation Thought. I think, I think so. Yes, I think I so. Think and so. I was just like, oh, this that is literally my console Would progression. Happen, right? it's, oh god. So this is, yeah. uh, I think. Uh, I mean, if I may add something, one more critical note, but it, yeah. these are critical notes that come from the fact that the game made me think a lot. So it's yeah. so they are like yeah. critical on a, on another level, so to speak. Uh, is that I I think that this is also fascinating and scary in a way. Mm. How much this game shows that our identity can identity can be completely created from the sets of objects we have so it, you i never met this person yes yes her yeah. boyfriend her girlfriend la- yeah. later i never met these people yeah. <laughs> but i but i i, I created so many su- su- such a such a huge amount of assumptions about them mm, all yeah, of a sudden absolutely, just yeah. based on the objects and also um, i mean this that this shows that basically you just look at a set of objects you have you have a person that's that's i think scary and maybe a little bit critical or maybe if if it, if taken with, without criticism i think it's a it's a it's a scary thought yeah, I no, I I totally agree. It, it is kind of troubling just just how much you can tell from from that. I guess it's kind of linked to like uh, just how much you can tell about a person from the phone data, like yeah. you know where you get a, a few data points of like where they've been on Google Maps, and you can suddenly work out like okay, here's where they live, here's yeah. where they work, here's their best friend's house. This is the kind of person they are because they always go to uh, music venues or whatever. It's just like how much of our personality, I guess, is then externalized yes. in that kind of way. There was one other point about the game that I wanted to bring up, which was actually the kind of its price and its debate and the debate that came up around that is this, oh. th- is this whole short game. Oh, thing. I, I actually, that's that's funny, but I think it's also telling. Before you say this, yeah, sure, sure. For me, I I completely missed that because mm. I just got it in Game Pass. Oh yeah, it's on Game Pass. So, yeah, so okay. it shows <laughs> that this different, you yeah. know. Um, different ways of selling games mm. create completely different reactions and expectations that's, from gamers. That's very true, yeah. Maybe this is a perfect yeah. game for, for this kind of service. That's really true, yeah. Um, because, um, I mean, as... I How th- much is it? 20? So it's 20 euros on Steam. Right. Um, it The game takes roughly four to five hours or something like that. So yeah. it's uh, so it's pretty short. Um, but And I, th- I think most listeners will be aware of the kind of there's a lot of debates just about prices of games in general are they uh, you know, are they too much are they too little game developers will very often say well you know it's very hard to recoup costs the game prices need to go up obviously consumers want to not pay as much for games in general um this is partly why services like game pass come up but for example one of the highest or one of the mo- most helpful in steam language um reviews of the game uh is someone so they played for 3.1 hours and they say I loved this game but there just isn't enough content for this game to cost $20 only about 3 hours of playtime I'll come back eventually to replay the game and there's a bunch of other reviews that are like oh can't you add like an endless mode can't you add this or that and it's just this equivalence of quality to 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 playtime or to to the amount of content um and so yeah, that, it's very interesting that you 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 didn't that completely passed you by because you approached it exactly. on, on on Game Pass. But it was kind of one of these things where I noticed like um, 
uh, I kind of looked up how roughly how long it was, and I was like, I had that immediate reaction of just like, oh, 20, 20 euros, that's a bit much for that. And then having yeah. to remind myself, like, and I, I sh- you know, I'm a, I study games, I shouldn't have to remind myself of this, but like, yeah. it's the length of a game is not, it's not its quality of, um, I've also seen like on the other side of the spectrum, I've seen sort of reviews of Diablo three that are like, oh, I hate the game. It's absolutely awful, but I got 300 hours out of it. So I guess, <laughs> so I guess it's good. Right. And it's just yeah, this, yeah, this very it. strange thing of like, and the, you know, yeah. we, this debate has gone on for, for time. Yeah, we know, this, like, yeah. like, we know, we know everything about this debate and it's like, you know, you don't judge a movie. You don't say like, oh, that's a really good movie. Cause that was three hours long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I mean I don't think we can add anything to that. I mean, at least me. Sorry, yeah. I, yeah. I, I new to that. I I can see though why people react like that only because well we simply become conditioned. Yeah. Uh, when we compare other things, we can buy at, at the same store with the same money. I mean, it's very hard not to make these comparisons. And mm. what I'm saying is that maybe the problem for people is not just it's it's not long enough, but it's just not enough content for them. So, for example, not enough scenes, not enough apartments, yeah. not enough objects that they can look at, and so on and so forth. Mm. And, and from this perspective, I can understand some of this criticism because people naturally just compare it to different things. That And let's not forget it, the number of beautiful, great, and thought-provoking games that are released every yeah. day is yeah, pretty yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... so the thing that is interesting for me is that I want this kind of games mm. to exist. And I don't want this kind of games to be made artificially longer or to, no. or to developers to be forced to create, you know, yeah, twice yeah. the number of apartments. Because I think that this game was just about it's right. Very well paced, yeah. That's and, true. And probably it just means that it's good that we have different ways of selling these games i mean mm-hmm. for for a long time we had just you know one retail model uh things like shareware in the past tried yeah. to experiment with different models and i think that right now the the uh the number of models we have is 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 making me me hopeful that games like that will be created mm. because maybe maybe they are not well suited for this standard model of mm. 20 euros maybe it, it is unfortunately right yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think there's there's a lot of concern about like the Game Pass model that it will eventually stop being a Game Pass model and become more a Spotify model where the creators get get almost nothing. That's um, a good question. I have no idea. Yeah, well, but, I mean, as far as I know, I've read some uh, I've read some uh, mm, interviews with people mm. who who uh, had the deal with Microsoft on Game oh, Pass. Oh yeah, currently and, I think it's, yeah, it's a currently good deal, people as far are as happy I understand. with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I but think it, is it sustainable? We don't know. No, exactly. We'll, we'll have to have to see about that. But that, that, that's that's an interesting comparison. Then just how yes, absolutely. Just how you know how you approach the game based on um, where you encounter and then and then buy it. So like, okay, if you if you play it on Game Pass, maybe you have no expectations because it's Game Pass. There's a million other games I can play on this. So who cares? I'll just I'll just play it. See if it's good. Oh, it's really and good. From, sometimes great. you might be even happy that it's short. Yeah, there exactly. Are so many other things you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for these games, as I pointed out, I think it's perfect time-wise. Definitely. No, I I totally agree. Yeah, but then maybe maybe you you buy it on Steam and you're like, oh, I've just sunk twenty euros into this. Yeah. Um, and maybe that colors the entire way that you approach the game. I think that, yeah, that that's, that's I think that's a um, yeah, it's an interesting point. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we can probably uh, we can probably leave it there. Yeah. So uh, I have no outro scripted. So let's just let's just say this has been ITU Playcast. Um, we're going to try out this uh, this format. Yeah. I think one game, one paper. One game, one paper. Um, we'll see you again probably in a month. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Um, and yeah, please, you know, like, subscribe, share. Do whatever you can. I'm not even sure exactly. what's possible. Whatever, yeah. the <laughs> whatever, the whatever is possible, whatever is real. Uh, it's on yeah. Spotify, Apple yeah. Podcasts. It should be on all, all the normal ones. So uh, yeah, all that's left is to say uh, thank you for listening and uh, goodbye. We'll see you next yeah. time. Bye-bye.